You're listening. You're listening to a University of Kentucky. University of Kentucky. College of Arts and Sciences podcast. The University of Kentucky has been playing host to Alan McKendrick, a Scottish playwright, stage director, and translator, as he works with students during a compressed three-week course. Within the course, McKendrick and the students are working to translate and adapt a popular German play into American English with a Kentuckian twist. In this podcast, we speak to McKendrick about his previous work, the difficulties of adapting and translating plays, and the dynamics of the compressed course. Hi, my name is Alan McKendrick, and I'm a playwright and stage director and translator from Glasgow, Scotland. So you're a visiting scholar at the University of Kentucky. Can you tell me a little bit about why you're here? I'm here to teach a compressed course, an extremely compressed course, uh, three hours a day for two weeks. We're workshopping a translation of an Austro-Hungarian play from the 1930s called uh, Casimir and Carolina, or Casimir and Caroline, um, which is written by Odon von Horvath, who's an Austro-Hungarian playwright. Uh, and it's a play I've done already... But um, Casimir and Carolina, which is a really major play in a German context, has never really been done that I could find. Uh, it's got a very, very negligible production record in English. And I think the reason you look at it is written in very distinct Munich dialect. He's, it's very stylized as well. Uh, he's a very beautiful way of writing, but there's a very particular language that the characters in the play use. And I think that people had had an obstacle in terms of how to successfully translate that. And um, what we did a few years ago in Scotland was I took the Munich dialect and I transposed it into a West Coast Scots dialect. And actually it seemed like a really natural fit to me. And um, so we gave a rendition of that in 2012. And actually the purpose of coming over here and looking at that play is just to see to what extent it might be possible to translate the play successfully in a kind of modern American and more specifically Kentuckian idiom. Um, so the class have been collaborating on that with me because obviously that's not uh, not an accent I personally have much access to. So I really need to be led by them more than they're being led by me. It's very much sort of their translation. They've been working so far in groups and we're building something up. And so far actually, yeah, it's been coming together and there's a lot of really uh, interesting idioms that the students have been suggesting that I would never have thought of in a million years. So what we're, I think we're, we're at the stage now where we're going to get a bit more consistency of language across the play. But yeah, no, it's definitely coming together and I'm very excited to see the final results and to work with them on the public presentation. So why Kentucky? Uh, why Kentucky? Because Kentucky was nice enough to ask. Um, yes, it's interesting thing where um, I think that Kentucky is somewhere that has an identifiable and specific dialect that was probably that I could sort of engage with and I can hear the distinctions between I suppose what you call neutral American English if such a thing exists except on television uh, but of course my primary uh, interactions with the American language have been from watching television so uh, in my head it's certainly something that exists but I think it needs to be somewhere where the there was something about the sort of social milieu and something about the language structure and dialect structure that would make a translation worth doing and I think uh, from the work we've done so far the evidence is that's absolutely the case but I was, I've was i just been finding that out this week I think a lot comes down to Professor Brenna Bird who is the professor who invited me over here she kept up on the translation work I'd done and I think she saw something in both the original play and then the Scots English treatment of it 
that she thought would make for an interesting effect if we were to try and do a, a different sort of dialect translation. What are some of the major challenges that someone could encounter when working to translate or adapt a play into a new language or culture? Um, there are a lot of things. I mean, it, it's. I think the thing with translation is that the details matter immensely. So when I'm doing a translation, I would, do, I would do at least three drafts. I would usually do the first one just for sense. I was just writing out a version that uh, that this sort of not particularly interesting English, but that it's, it's explaining to me, should, should I like have to go away for a while and come back, it would explain to me very clearly just what the action is, how the characters are expressing themselves. Then I would do a second pass for speakability because, yeah, there's something so um, vital and distinctive and idiosyncratic about the original that if you strip that away to a very sort of neutral English that's really just all about the sense, it loses its theatricality and it loses what's immediate about it. So that's been, that would be one challenge. There are little things though, and I say the third pass, sorry, I should say like you then do for style. And I think um, we're still at the stage where uh, we've worked through the sense now, I think we're getting to the speakability and hopefully we'll be able to whack a bit of style on it again next week as well. But there are tiny little things like, um, there are, do you leave the cultural references intact? Like if they're talking about a zeppelin flying overhead and it's going off to Oberammergau, do you leave that as Oberammergau? I, I think in the Scots version certainly we kept all of the references to German place names uh, intact and it was just the language we were transposing because we were putting it in Scots language for a Scots audience but the characters were still explicitly in Munich in the early 1930s. And I think it feels that we're veering in a similar tack with this version. So, you know, do you do you anglicise the characters' names? Um, but, I mean, these things might sound quite petty, actually, but it's just something about the overall mood and character of a translation. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about challenges, I'm sure I could go on all day. Um, but, yeah, you know, to create something that makes sense, has, is speakable and has style, that for me would be a good translation while preserving as much as possible the, the character of the original. How are your students working with the play and are they enjoying the challenge? <laughs> um, we've adopted a um, bunch of different techniques thus far. I mean, I can. On the. We spent one session, this is going to sound incredibly flagrantly wasteful. We, we all spent a bit of time with the text and then we spent one session as a group of 16 people focusing on one scene. It was a long scene, but we literally spent an entire session discussing every possible variation of what each individual line could be. So the next day, which was always the plan to be fair, um, I, they were then broken off into pairs originally and each of them would write individually their own version of a scene or a, a clump of scenes. I should say Casimir and Carolina is a play in 117 scenes because it observes the, I believe, the old Italian notation for every time a character enters or exits. Um, that's a new scene. So actually for a 117 scene play, the rendition we gave in Scotland lasted an hour and 20 minutes flat. So you're, you're getting through a scene every 40 seconds or so. Um, I hope my maths was correct on that. That would be embarrassing if it wasn't. Um, but yeah, so they were broken off into individual groups yesterday. And then, um, so they're really just as a group interrogating these, uh, this small clump of scenes. So we have a bunch of uh, things that were sort of uh, finessed out by committee yesterday. We're going to go all the way from the beginning to the 
scene 56, which has mentioned is the interval uh, today, and we're just going to sit down at the start of this next session and cold read it, and I think it will probably weave all over the road, and at some points it will be, we'll hear really heavy dialect coming from some characters, and then you'll go a couple of scenes later and they might be speaking much more sort of neutrally, and it's good just to have that sort of variation, and then we as a group can all hear that aloud, and then start to agree communally which direction we think we're going to veer in. And it's also it's important to retain consistency of voice. So I think we will be working through, we may be working through where it's just one group of them looks purely at the character of Carolina, for example, in every line she speaks, and just making sure that those feel consistent and like the same person speaking at all times. And then we might attach another group to some of the other major characters like Casimir or Merkel Franz or Erna. Um, it's quite a large cast. As you mentioned, the actual setting of the play is set at Oktoberfest, which obviously is a thing that's still very much going. And I've been told that Cincinnati has the second largest Oktoberfest in the world. As a sort of a local reference, that's something that people will understand. There's a bunch of young people at Oktoberfest, and the Casimir and Carolina, the title characters, are a couple. And when they go to the fair, Casimir's literally just lost his job the day before. Uh, he was a chauffeur, but he's been let go, uh, made redundant. Uh, is implied and he knows that when the weekend rolls around he's going to be signing on for welfare on the Monday but in the meantime he's supposed to go out with his his uh, girlfriend Carolina and have a good time and she's very much in the mood to go and have a good time at the fair and he's in the vilest mood ever and it's that thing that was quite sad where you can see there's something with these people that um, you can see there's a reason why they're together but you can also see why they're having a terrible time that day and as they move around Oktoberfest they run into more and more people some of whom they know from beforehand some of whom they only meet for the first time that night and they sort of split up and go their separate ways around Oktoberfest and fall in with different crowds and have very different experiences um, and yeah so it's a love story but it's not I don't want to ruin the ending but it's certainly not a happy all the way through love story is that ambiguous enough yeah it's very funny but also quite dark and there is yeah there, there's a very sort of funny bleakness to it it's basically a, a piece about these young people living through a financial depression and actually the horrible pressures that economic forces can place on even like the strongest and most loving relationships but yeah um, but yeah and I just really respond to his writing I think there's something with this sardonic uh, worldview. And uh, the, the sort of laughing in the dark quality that yeah um, that I enjoy, and I think a, a lot of other people will too. Hopefully, if when they come along to the reading. So at the end of the course, there will be a reading of the translation of the play. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, we're going to be doing a public presentation. One of the things we've been focused on primarily with the play is just the language. So part of it is just the the opportunity to come and hear that language read aloud by people who've been engaging with it so heavily for the last couple of weeks is probably the main thing. But the presentation I do hope will have theatrical will have theatrical quality to it throughout. I don't want to say too much more. Um, but I think if you come anyone who wishes to come who's heard what is interested in what they've heard thus far and thinks they would like to hear more, I would hope you would be uh, entertained. Yes. The performance is going to be at the Briggs Theatre, commencing I believe at five PM. Thank you for listening, and thanks to the College of Arts and Sciences and the Department of Modern and Classical Languages, Literatures, and Cultures for making this podcast possible. If you are interested in learning more about the play or the process through which it was adapted, a reading of the adaptation produced by Alan McKendrick and the students will be held on Friday, November 14th 
at 5 p.m. in the Briggs Theater.